Good evening. Do you ever wonder about the history of dues cards and regularity within Freemasonry? Well, if you do, there's a wonderful history behind that. And I think we have a few guys on this evening that kind of experts in the field and doing some really amazing things to take that history and bring it into the modern day and set us up for the future to come. So stick with us. We have an amazing episode lined up for you right after this on Historical Light. Welcome back to the Historical Light Masonic Podcast, dedicated to illuminate our past and bring our Masonic history to light since 2016. Enjoy the show. Good evening and welcome back to Historical Light, an independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects within Freemasonry. I'm your host, Brother Alex Powers, and we are back for episode number 118. We're going to be talking about the history of dues cards and regularity throughout the ages in Freemasonry. We have a couple of wonderful guests on this evening, the founders of the Amity app in Kopiri, uh, brothers Michael and Jeremy. My brothers, if you don't mind, I'll hand it over to you for more proper introductions with yourself. Uh, let's start with Brother Michael. Hi, brother. Well, thank you for having us here today. It's quite an honor. Uh, I am a, a, a past master from Independent Royal Arch Lodge Number 2 in the Grand Lodge of New York, and uh, just pleased to have taken this wild and crazy ride with my brother Jeremy here. Fantastic. Welcome, Jeremy. We are so happy to have you. It looks like you brought those audio issues back with you, though. <laughs> we'll get that figured out. You've actually got a really cool, like, Darth Vader thing going on right now, so I'm kind of digging it. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, brothers, uh, so happy to have you on the show this evening. You know, first and foremost, you guys have been doing some amazing things that has caught my attention. Uh, just bringing masonry into the future, which is amazing. This evening, we're going to talk about some really cool aspects related to that within the history of the craft. But before we do so, I want to kind of get to know you guys a little bit better before we dive into those uh, those deeper topics. So usually throw out, what's up, Jeremy? Am I, am I still speaking like Darth Vader? Unfortunately did not. I, now you sound much out. better. I, I kind of missed the Vader voice, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Not a problem at all. Sure. Not a problem. So I want to get to know you guys a little bit better before we dive in. And we usually throw a few icebreaker questions at you guys just to just to loosen it up and keep it as a brotherly chat here. So, uh, Brother Michael, since we started off with you first, I, I'm curious if you have family history in Freemasonry prior to yourself. So there is some family uh, prior who were Masons, but it's probably a, a century or so away. Um, at, you know, nobody in the immediate time frame, um, and, uh, more of a, I guess, a theological background for, for myself and a, and a very spiritual household that, that brought me to, to Freemasonry. Fantastic. Brother Jeremy, how about yourself? Any, uh, family history in Masonry? You know, I used to say no, but, uh, my, my uncle's actually been doing a lot of genealogical research and, and, uh, just last week I found out that my great, great, great uncle, um, had his own incre incredible military history, you know, became a general and, and what have you. But one of the most interesting parts of his military history was apparently he was left for dead at the Battle of Culpeper uh, in the Civil oh, War wow. and was found by a doctor who treated him in his own home. And the only reason that the doctor did not turn him over to the local uh, uh, Confederate prison was that they were both Masons. And so wow. he healed him and, and sent him back on his way, uh, up North. Um, so, you know, not only do I apparently have a Mason in my history, but it's, I, I've, I've got one of those cool stories. That is uh, a very you know, cool story. It was amazing to learn. So, so with that, 
Is that, well, so obviously you actually just said you didn't know that until recently. So what is it that made you interested in Freemasonry and want to join this thing? You know, I was hanging around a lot of good people when uh, when I was getting out of college. And uh, little by little, I came to find out that all of them were Masons. And, and for me, it was sort of one of these, if A equals B and B equals C, then A must equal C, right? And, and you know, my, my logical mind at work said, well, if these guys think that this is something really important in their lives, then, you know, and I think they're important people in my lives. Well, you know, I should probably uh, find find out what it is. And, and you know, I like the proverbial red pill, blue pill or Alice in Wonderland. I, you know, the, the hole is, is deeper than I ever thought it would be. And I, I think I'm having more fun than I ever thought I would as well. Well, there you go. Brother Michael, with, with your family history being kind of so far removed uh, from your family history connections to Freemasonry, what is it that grabbed you about Masonry and wanted you to join? I guess it's very similar to what Jeremy said. More, mine was obviously around some good people, um, but more of the Stoics. You know, obviously the autobiography of Ben Franklin was a, a huge inspiration for me. Um, and then seeing my buddy here with a Masonic belt buckle <laughs> and, a, and a family picture on my mom's fridge. Um, our families have been uh, good friends since we were about three years old. Um, and nice. yeah. And, um, you know, I had been inquiring about Masonry before that, but that actually gave me a contact was calling Jeremy. And, you know, we had been in discussion uh, for months and months and he was down in DC and I was in New York and I asked him finally to put me in touch with someone and he did. And here we are. That's so cool. I did not know that part about the story. That That's yeah. really fantastic. Yeah. All right. So we've gotten a touch now about some family history and what got you guys in. You've been in masonry for a while. What is it that has kept you around? Hmm. Interesting <laughs> question. That's a good question, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I would offer, if, if I may, I, I think it's it's uh, it's been the ability to contribute, um, and maybe that's okay. a, a nicer way to say they kept making me do stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, but I was in a lodge that was um, I was the youngest guy in the room almost when when I became Mason, um, and it took less than six months for me to be a steward. Uh, you know, and a dozen years later, I rolled out. You know, from being master, then trustee, then secretary, uh, you know, kind of my last day as secretary, but man, I, I don't know what I'm going to wear if I'm not wearing a tuxedo. I've been doing this for, you know, for way too many years. And, and I think, you know, by, by that point, I was I was talking with all the, the friends that I made and, you know, the things that I learned and, you know, helping mentor other people. And that's what it is. Fantastic. We're getting those Darth Vader sounds a little bit back again. Um, do you maybe have a microphone straight off the computer you could use or? I'll give it a shot. Brother Michael, while he's taking a look at that, wh what is it uh, that has kept you around over these years? Yeah, um, I, I think it's definitely being, you know, thrown into the fire. Um, like anything, the more you put into something, the more you're going to get out of it. Um, my Masonic mentor, he had told me something long ago. You know, we hear it so often is masonry takes good men and it makes them better. You know, and I hear so many discussions throughout the world about this is what lodges have to do and this is what they should do to do things better. Um, but, you know, nobody ever talks about how difficult it is to take a good man and make him better. Um, you know, and that comes through the work of the lodge and differences with people and other officers in the lodge and getting through that, going through the boring nights of a business meeting. And, you know, there's people who are like, oh, I don't go to those meetings because they're so boring. Well, that's part of the process. It teaches us to have patience. It teaches us that sometimes there are things we have to just sit back and learn and, and be patient about. Um, so I think it's really just I dove in head first. And once you dive in, and there's people surrounding you, you know, expecting good things from you, you, you sort of just, you know, it becomes natural and, and, and you kind of want to stick around. So I think I've been really blessed, one, for my lodge. Um, you know, I think I'm very blessed to have the lodge I'm a member of. And, and had I not had that, I don't know if I would have. So, you know, I, I hope that other brothers have that same inspiration. And if I may, if, if you can hear me. Um, you can. Sound right. great. You know, the, the, I think the, the thing that I would convey to anyone else who asks or who's listening 
is, you know, if you're hearing what we're talking about and saying, well, you know, my lodge isn't 220 or 50 years old, or my lodge doesn't have that sort of culture, you know, you can create it. And, and that is something amazing because at the end of the day, even in, in my lodge, 200 and almost 30 years old, you know, 300 and some odd members, you know, it's, it's still the core of 20 to 30 people that show up regularly. And that's not that big of a group to influence, you know, yeah. and, and even one person can, can make a change to, to bring that culture around. And, and I would absolutely say the benefits are incredible. And that really is a big part of what's kept me in masonry, kept me active. I love that point that you brought up. And I, I'm, I'm sure we can touch on that heavier in the, the episode this evening. But, you know, on this show, we've touched on before, as we talk so much about history, that we often forget that today is the history of tomorrow. And when you think about those those amazing times that people look at that you're referencing and they're like, oh, we don't have that culture in that time period. They were just guys today. You know, that's like right. that, that's the weird way that history works. So if you want to have that history, be that history. So amazing point that you brought up there. Yeah. All right. I mean, so, sorry, Alex, but just one no, more note. Go for it. You and I, right? I mean, how many times have we met together now in person? That never would have happened without masonry and without both 100%. of us caring about what we do. 100%. Right? Fully agree with you. Well, guys, I am stoked to dive into this topic area that you guys are super passionate about that means a lot to you and that you have wanted to address and harness to realize that today is the history of tomorrow and bring masonry into the future in those aspects. Before we get there, I've got two things to bring up. One is a bit of an unfortunate disclaimer, as uh, some of you watching this has been reached out today uh, by a random individual claiming that I'm stealing from them and shutting down companies and all that. So as so many of you are getting these unfortunate uh, messages, I've got to address it. I work for a company uh, that does factoring. I do marketing in that. And we had a disgruntled client today that I have absolutely nothing to do with. I work on websites. And uh, this person was reaching out to a bunch of people, got a hold of my name and found out about me having an outreach with the show and Masons. And next thing I know, they're on my wife's profile. They're on my kids' profiles. They're telling people about my company. And then it went farther over on the TikTok side where I know she reached out to a bunch of you. I got screenshots saying that your brother, Alex G. Powers, is doing this. And it's an unfortunate situation, have nothing to do with. Uh, it's because she did an improper business practice and did not like the result of that. But I'm just a marketing guy. I work on websites. And it's a disgruntled person. So if you get a message like that or received a message like that, I humbly apologize for the inconvenience. It's just a crazy person. So thank you for dealing with that. And uh, with that, want to give a huge shout out uh, to all of our Patreon supporters of the show that has kept us around. We've been here since 2016, and we are fully devoted to Masonic history. So if you like what you see here and you want to help us stick around, you can do so by going to the website, historicallight.com slash support, and you can support the show through Patreon. And we've got some awesome uh, benefit levels and uh, packages there uh, with some amazing uh, custom lapel pins and everything you can get on for supporting the show through Patreon. So hit us up at the website, historicallight.com and hope you will support. With that, my brothers, I am stoked to dive into this topic. So we're talking this evening about dues cards, regularity, and their history throughout the ages. So tell me a little bit about where this all starts and why it's important in masonry. Well, uh, let's go back as far as we know, um, you know, that written records, um, or, or even just, the, I guess, at the foundation of, of lodges being known, right? Um, beforehand, we had Masons making their mark, right? This is the way to distinguish who you were, how to get paid, um, was by making your mark as, as a fellow craft. Um, and, and as people started to learn about the guilds, you know, um, they started to accompany travelers with certificates. And, and some of these were elaborate. There was a lot of artwork involved. Much of them probably were more elaborate than they are today uh, when it comes to um, the security aspect of it, right? How, who's going to duplicate some of these beautiful certificates that are out there? 
Um, but what's interesting is over 200, 250 years, that really hasn't changed too much. We went from these elaborate certificates to little paper dues cards. And, and then that went around for, you know, a, a good probably 40 years or so. And, and the big improvement was, you know, a, a seal stamped on the card at that point. Right. And, and so, you know, now the truth is there are middle schoolers with the right technology that could make all of these. And so again, as we had anti-Masonic movements and exposés, we started to accompany our, our, you know, tokens and, and grips and words of recognition with other traveling certificates. And this it, it goes throughout the world, right? Jeremy has brought up in the past, passports, licensing, all of this has, has taken on a new life, but yet it seems like in masonry, you know, we, we've, we've always stayed a couple steps behind. Sometimes that's been in favor of us. Let's not get that wrong. But uh, other times, um, certainly over 200 years, I think it's time that, that we start to move forward. So maybe we'll let Jeremy talk a bit about moving forward now. Well, I, I think, you know, one of the interesting things to me, Michael, about what you were saying is, is this, this confluence of, uh, in the security world, what you have and what you are, right? And it's, it's one thing yeah. for me to walk up and say, well, I, I have this dues card or I have this certificate, you know, um, and, and it's often paired with what you know, right? I know these grips, I know these words, I know these signs. And, and we started out with, as you said, you know, the mark. It's, it's something I'm making an X on a, on a piece of rock. And they look at the X and they compare it with the book, right? Fundamentally speaking, that's not very different than submitting a password to a website. And the website compares your password with the book and finds out if it's you, right? So as we look at how this is done over time, there, the, the, the theory hasn't necessarily changed. What has and hasn't changed is the role of Grand Lodges in the process, the role that Masons have in the process, and how much is known to the public, right? And, and so we've got this fascinating arc of once upon a time, I was a Mason, I knew the grips were in signs, I could, I could speak about a keystone or about other things, and I could go from England to Scotland or to France or to wherever and prove myself to right. the master builder there and prove that I knew my, my, my knowledge, right? And we got away from that when we ended up with all these physical systems, whether it's certificates all the way over to a dues card with a seal, you know, um, we, we put the Grand Lodge in the position of vetting every membership, you know, and you can't travel unless you go through the Grand Lodge that's a little bit different from I can travel anywhere I want and I just have to prove myself. And what we've been able to do that's really, really cool is use technology to say, well, you can go anywhere and all you need to do is prove yourself. But at the same time, we're going to double check with the Grand Lodge in real time, right? You no longer have to go through the Grand Lodge and that's a stop on your travels. Right. We can combine these two, you know, in a real time way. That's, that's really uh, powerful and and you know gives control back to the Grand Lodges, but gives gives freedom back to Masons. So that aspect that you bring up with the real time uh, is huge, right? Because we're talking about as long as we go back and we have all these variations of physical documents from the big fold out patents to little printer inkjet cards uh, that go all through these ages. But no matter what version and how elaborate and how well they designed it or just printed it off, you've always got that issue of if it's good for a year, that's an entire year that that person could not be in good standings from, let's say, one day after they got it. But they've got this piece of paper. So that's that's amazing to think how long it's gone by still being that far out of uh out of the loop because I mean, yeah, guys in maybe your lodge would know if something happened in that time period. But if you're visiting, um, as we've seen many, many times in the past, you can show up and, Oh, you're good. If you can answer the answer and you got a, a card that was good just under a year ago, you're right on in there. 
you know, the, the opposite is also true. And I'll, I'll offer as a secretary, um, you know, it, it wasn't frequent, but in, in D.C., we often have a situation where uh, we have literal foreign masons, right, from another country. Sure. They, they've come to Washington, D.C. on, on business or, or diplomatic, you know, business. They had a meeting with the ambassador or whoever, and it got canceled. And so they said, well, hey, let me find a lodge. And they, they rock up to the door and, you know, who's always at the lodge beforehand, right, is the secretary trying to go, what's going on tonight? Um, you know, and, and you look them up in the book and they go, oh, well, my lodge was just formed three months ago. It's a new lodge. We just created it. We're really proud of it. And you look back at them and go, well, you're not in my book. Right. And, you know, it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. And, you know, but the fact that you're not in my little piece of paper means that I have to turn away someone who by all, you know, by all ways I can prove is probably actually a Mason. But to do right. the right thing means saying you can't come in. You know, and those things we can also start to solve and say, look, it's, you know, by going to asking your Grand Lodge in real time, that problem goes away. Right. And, and we can now, again, do a better job of being brothers to each other instead of getting hung up on all this administrative. Oh, 100 percent. And, you know, the book aspect you're bringing up, I, I think, is an amazing one because. So obviously we're dealing with uh, guys in our own jurisdiction, our own, you know, lodges even. Yeah, that that's fine. You, you know, a guy from down the way, you've heard of that lodge before. But how many of us know all the lodges in our own state versus all the lodges in the states around us versus all the lodges in the world? Nobody. That's that's um, that's impossible to just have yeah, that all up here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Besides you two freakish minds, people, uh, but then you it's go very into, true, yeah, very <laughs> true. <laughs> you go into a normal lodge though, and and in our history, what what have they done? They go to the back room and they've got this dusty book from 1976, and they're going through. Well, that was only good as to 1976, and maybe wasn't even that good then because it's just printed on paper. So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about how that can be improved. Yeah, well, and one of the things with that too is is you know the older book it was really from an American standpoint, um, and there That's were certain fair. rules and and uh, and and requirements to be in the book. So there were many grand lodges throughout the world that were regular grand lodges that were not in that book, and Masons were misinformed really by if somebody would come to visit and they weren't in the book, they would say, "Well, you're not regular." Meanwhile, their grand lodges could have had a treaty possibly years earlier, they just weren't in the book because they didn't have 10 American Grand Lodges or pay the fee. That's a great point. Um, so, you know, that's another thing is, is we're, we're able to capture more. Um, I think that's a, a reason, and I don't know the time frame of it, but even where a lot of these protocols came into existence, you know, back when it was Scotland, Ireland, and England, they probably didn't even have the foresight to think that it would expand to the, the yeah. craft in how many countries it's in now and how difficult it is to actually realize and know all the different certificates and dues that are out there. I mean, I can't tell you, even Jeremy and I, where we deal with this on a regular basis, there are ones that we just, we just don't know. We right. might not have seen before. And that happens for the highest up leadership of every jurisdiction. So again, one of the things we're excited about is we've taken a lot of time in sharing who we are and what we do. And really the ultimate thing that I think all of our technology is behind is trust. You know, Jeremy and I have sure. gone around for a long time and people understand who we are. And there's many jurisdictions now, I mean, over a hundred who are using our real-time technology. So through a hundred jurisdictions now, they can say, oh, if you're good in Amity, we know that those guys have, have done the due diligence and these are the procedures and the, those are the steps that they do. You know, so, so it is making things a bit easier for people to, to manage, you know, where I think a long time ago, nobody really expected things to get as large and, and beautiful as the craft has become. Yeah, that, that's, that's a fascinating point, you know, to, to think that gap that has been bridged over all this time. Um, what you guys have brought to the table in that manner is is mind blowing, um, but it's so needed, it, especially in a day like today, as the world is so rapidly turning and we have more information incoming and outgoing than ever before and more decisions being made than ever before. 
um, to have not only that trust, but that real time exposure um, is just so desperately needed in what we have here. And to be fair, to give credit where credit is due, you know, we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for other systems and other grand sure. lodges moving into, you know, technology with whether it's uh, groupable, Mori or Grandview or all of these systems that help have have brought the Grand Lodges so far, you know, we wouldn't be there without a good foundation of them using that and being proud of their systems and, and, and using them to the fulfillment that they can. And that's where we've come in and try to help all of them communicate better. That's sort of what we're really excited about because we believe like that's the next wave is just making yeah. all of us communicate better. Well, well, and ultimately, you know, just quickly is th that's, I think our bread and butter is saying whether it's, Hey, I don't know if you're still in good standing two weeks after you got your dues card or you're coming from the Grand Lodge of India, and I don't know what member management system you use or, or what dues cards you know look like there. Um, right. You know, the role of Amity is to is to work in between uh, all of these these systems and organizations, right? We were the the first ones to roll out uh, global QR codes, right? And and now you're seeing that become something that's extremely popular, especially after COVID. There, the Grand Lodge yeah. of California hasn't issued dues cards in years, right? And, and that's not going to slow down, right? So what we're really proud of, I, I think, is, you know, really, honestly, taking our obligation seriously and saying, as Masons, we should be able to travel. This should be seamless. There's processes, but th that's for the Grand Lodge to monitor. For the average right. Mason, we want to help you travel. We want to help you learn about the Masonic world, the, the Masonic network under the world, right? And, and make this craft more real to, to every member of it. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, you, you think about it, this, this entire system was built around that aspect of being traveling men and our provisions to make that happen have not been the strongest throughout the ages. Um, especially as you know, we've, we've come more into the modern age and everything is, is so rapid fire now, but with considering that, that rapid fire, it's been mind blowing, especially since I've become a Mason, um, just how quickly and how abruptly, how much um, of the technology has been introduced to masonry in such a short period of time. Because, well, I would say a few years ago, but I, I'm pretty sure Grand Lodge is still struggling with uh, one or two OG secretaries out there that still refuse to use a computer. But when I first came into masonry, it was still that factor of, I won't touch a computer. I won't turn it on. Everything's paper. And it's like, do we really still use paper in today's day and age? But yeah, through, through this short period of time, we've seen all these variations of systems that have come in to offer, I guess, substance where it needed to be. And it, it's been beautiful because as everywhere else in the world that was, you know, with the modern day and we see technology what doubling every six months or something is at this amazing pace we've seen a lot of that really hitting masonry in a fast pace as well and it, it's super exciting to see where it is now and to think of where it's going to go at that rate as well well you know i, I think one of the things that needs to be considered <coughs> um and and i don't know that anybody has the answer right now but um, we are seeing privacy regulations shift at meteoric speeds. Yes. Right? And, and if you, you know, we're, we're talking about sort of the arc of history. And, and if you look at the history of where our, uh, our traveling has been managed, it's the same history of, of how we've kept data, right? The Grand Lodges had card files or rosters of their people, right? And those, those card files had to be looked at and the, the stack of treaties had to be looked at. And so it made sense. Yeah. If I wanted to go travel to whatever country, the first thing I needed to do was talk to my secretary who would talk to the grand secretary who would flip through the stack of treaties and go, can you actually visit that grand lodge? Yeah. Right. And, and so, so the grand lodges found themselves necessarily through the, the technology of the day being a bottleneck. The problem is that has become habit. Those card files go <clears throat> out like a database, just ones on paper and ones in a computer, 
And and very true. You know, the committees are still the same that say, well, we have to we have to go through this stack of treaties in our in our member management system and see if you can visit. Okay, but the same problem comes up if we say, well, we want to change how that works and we want to do this in real time. The same thing comes up with privacy. At the end of the day, my phone number is not the Grand Lodges to own. And, and I think one of the things that we're going to start seeing and one of the things that, you know, we've built into Amity is the ability to say, no, 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 it's, it's actually the brother's contact information. And if he wants to change it, he can change it. You know, it's not for the Grand Lodge to duplicate all of my contact information. Right. And, and I think we're, we're starting to see a sea change from a regulation perspective, whether it's in Europe or California, Colorado, Massachusetts, Virginia, Australia, all these places that are coming up with new regulations. One of the things that we haven't approached yet as a craft is how we can uh, how we can give a better experience to the brothers from a security perspective and a privacy yeah. perspective that still allows us to have a great experience. And and from a that's personal perspective, you know, that's one of the things I just want to touch on what you mentioned earlier, Alex, is and it happens in every jurisdiction. You know, there's a couple and, and I'll use my lodge, for example. You know, my lodge is very old. Um, we never had a website. We never did anything electronic. We have <clears throat> a, a secretary and assistant secretary who are without reproach. They are amazing at what they do. Um, and when I was the master, we, we implemented electronic dues payments. You know, it was a, it was a big thing. And we had over 50% of the people pay the dues in like three weeks where it would normally take 10 months to get that amount of dues. <clears throat> One of the things that's really interesting about some of these bottlenecks is most of these systems that Freemasonry has used for so long are really for the leadership and the leadership of the lodge. They're not right. for just the regular Masons. So what happens is you will have some secretaries or even leadership in a grand lodge who says, I'm not going to use that. I'm never using it, whatever. And so, you you know, it, members information doesn't get updated for, for that lodge. One of the things that we focused on in the beginning was working from the ground up. And what that does is that that actually gets the members of the lodge. If six members of the lodge go up to the secretary and they're like, hey, man, I want you to do this. I want you to update this. But he's going to do it. You know, but beforehand, these systems never kind of mandated that because it was one person usually administrating for everything. And so what we've sure. done is we've really helped a lot of Grand Lodges in a way in updating some of that information by sharing that. And actually, that's another area that we're, we're rolling into with some appendant bodies that are very excited because if you can update your information in one place and then that can be shared you know, this can save so much work and effort for so many people. Um, and, in, and in turn, it gets the lodge using it and excited. And, and it just it's a win win for everybody. Right. So it, it's an interesting point how you talked about, you know, being able to accept dues payments and just some of that general fear in people. So that's one thing I know we recently dealt with. And still, it's kind of weird to say recently. But at our lodge, we just started accepting uh automated payments, right? And it was this, I think two years we fought this topic because of a few brothers. We'd say, hey, and it, it's built into the Grand Lodge database that you literally just got to click the button and you're able to accept the payments. Okay, cool. But a couple brothers said, I don't want to do that. I want to write a check. That's fine. You can still write a check, but they'd vote it down because they don't want to do it. And we're you know, trying to explain this makes it available for the guys that don't even have checks because I don't even have a checkbook. <laughs> I don't own one anymore. I don't yeah. need one. Um, but it, it was funny to me to see how long just that mindset was sticking into place. And I think a lot of it comes from, well, the fear of technology, which really hits on a security aspect. So how would you guys bridge the security aspect of where we were and where we might go? I mean, I'll say first, before we even get into that, pretty much everybody has a cell phone in their pocket. You know, if 25 guys show up at one address and they all got cell phones in their pockets, <laughs> it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what they're doing in that building, you know? Yeah. So 
That has a square and compass on the wall. Right, right. So again, you know, Facebook knows more about who we are and who our friends are because we're always commenting and we're friends with other people. And they're going to say, Michael Radigan, why are you friends with Alex Powers from Kansas? You know, again, they know this information is out there. So what we're really trying to do is protect that more um, yeah. and, and, and be aware of that so that people don't have this. Only we have this information. And also, you know, I think one of the interesting things that, that again, if, if we look at the, the arc of history and say, well, well, what's been the purpose here, right? I mean, obviously, before the 90s, 80s, give or take, you know, you didn't have things like the World Wide Web. You didn't have websites. This is a relatively new phenomenon from the perspective of the age of Freemasonry. And, and at the same time, we were going through this, at least in the United States, this remarkable downturn in membership numbers. Right. The, yeah. the wars, the wars had driven up membership and, you know, people were dying and, and it was cratering going through the floor. And a lot of lodges and grand lodges said, well, we can't advertise, but there's nothing that says we can't showcase stuff and we're going to put everything out there. And so you've got grand lodges that have, I mean, in literally enough information to open a credit card in a secretary's name because we want to be transparent. And I think there's, there's a, a, a pendulum that's been swinging and we sort of really haven't centered down onto the right answer. In my view, what we do, we're a private organization. I don't need Alex to know your home address and your email address and your phone number in order to knock at the door of a lodge. And if I'm a member, I should have it, right? And I think what is still missed in a lot of places is Look, giving everything away usually means that people don't assign value to it. How can we create a system where the people who should have access to things have access to it? The people who shouldn't have access to it have the ability to do things like contact a lodge, right? And then we can, we can actually work the, the, the middle, uh, you know, in between. And, and that's another thing we've tried to do with Amity is, is say, look, you, you don't need to publish all this information. Right. right. People come to us and say, well, I want the book. OK, but what you really want to know is what's the lodge close to you. You, you don't actually want to shuffle through 400 pages of a book. <laughs> I mean, it's great to have on a secretary's desk. I'll be the first one to say it's a great reference. You know, we've tried yeah. to make a book that actually, you know, you could you could read a little bit, you know, but but I think we're still as an organization getting our heads out of the idea that well, I still need to have an atlas in my truck. No, no, no. You have Google Maps now. (laughs) Let's talk about what you actually want out of this information. Not just, I have to have it because, because I have to. Right. Of the making of many books, there is no end. (laughs) (laughs) And much study is a weariness of the flesh. So talking through that, I see over on the uh, Facebook side, we have uh, Justin Staley saying, I just paid my dues online last night. And congratulations to Brother Staley because he was just uh, installed as master of his lodge last evening. So very, very fantastic. But, you know, it's making me think here, as I was bringing up, some of these brothers get so caught up on the security aspect. And it's kind of funny to me, especially in today's age, because as we're talking about, the mass majority of Masons are very loud, very proud. You don't see a lot of guys that don't have something. Mas- Do what now? In the U.S. Yes, yes. Fair point. Fair point. But in the U.S., you don't see a lot of guys that, at least on social media, don't have something. And then they go out and they're probably wearing a Masonic hat or they probably got a ring on or something. It's like some way you're giving it away. But even if, God forbid, system was hacked. You've got to think, what kind of information do you actually think the lodges and grand lodges have on you? They don't have all this crazy stuff that is going to ruin your life. They have the very basics (laughs) that uh, is going to sustain your membership that you probably have as public information, one million other places out there. So I I think a lot of times that huge fear aspect is... uh, really blown out of proportion in a lot of situations. So, I mean, to be fair here, I would say that's the case, but in Saudi Arabia, I might not think that that's yeah. the case. You know? And, yeah. and I, I would yeah. also, you know, I, I've been talking about, you know, things like privacy regulations and stuff like that. And I mean, this is, this is something that's, that's very close to our hearts 
you know, under under the general data protection regulation in Europe, the GDPR, um, Freemasonry and membership in a Masonic lodge is considered an ideological affiliation. And that is the most sensitive type of data that the law provides for. But right. It's right up there with, are you a Christian or a Muslim or are you, you know, what is your sexual orientation? All that stuff is the worst kind of information from the perspective of who's holding, like we as a system holding it, right? We have to get specific consent. And that's why you see when you register with Amity, the last piece says, hey, look, we're not going to give your data out. This is, you know, and, and it says, I give my specific consent for you to do things like confirm that I'm a member, right? Sure. Because in, in most of the world, they do have that issue where your very affiliation could mean your life, right? And so we view that as something that we are bound to protect, not only because it's a good practice and we want to follow the law and we don't want to get fined, right? But because I am my brother's keeper, right? Right. And if you decide to move to one of these countries, not so recently Spain, right? It's not all the, the ones in the Middle East or what have you, right? right? Barely 20 years ago, 30 years, well, maybe it's a little bit more than that. But, you know, Franco was shooting Masons like dogs in the street, you know? And, and, and we have, as a system, as Amity, we have an obligation, we believe, to keep this all secure. And, and, and yeah. I think we are distinguished as the only real... Um, Masonic system that puts that first. A hundred percent. We want to be be clear about that. Not to, not to put a, you know, a, a pall over the discussion, but no, not at all. You no, know, to be I, fair, we had to, to be fair, we, we are no, yeah. in the beginning, we started serving Masons in other countries. So we, we have to be familiar with these and, and it really is a cultural thing here in the U S it's starting, it's starting from the coasts with California, New York, and a few others. And people, every jurisdiction is coming up with private data laws. So another five years, this will be prevalent everywhere in the U.S. And people will be aware of it more. Um, and that's something we've tried to, you know, just kind of speed up the case on. Now, Alex, if I, can, if I can twist this just a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the the thing that comes out of that that we've been talking about a little bit recently is, you know, how many lodges of, of brothers that are listening have a data use statement on your petition. I would offer that probably 99%, if not 100, of people watching this podcast, if someone petitions your lodge, that data is going to go into a member management system. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. It's very useful. But if we don't tell the petitioner that that's going to happen, even at a basic level, the problem's not the Masons. We're sort of, we've made a promise not to screw over the Grand Lodge and what have you. But the guy who gets rejected and decides I'm going to file a, a privacy lawsuit because they didn't tell me they were putting data somewhere and then they didn't delete it, right? Those are the people to worry about. That's and interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Considering this, and again, I go from the arc of history of how we interact with data. Yeah. No, that, that's that's a fascinating point because personally, I I not even thought about that particular aspect of it. Well, I'm sitting here and you guys are talking about, you know, Masons in other countries, um, that this is a security, like a physical security issue. It reminds me because we've talked about that aspect of it as well of, you know, how much we take this for granted here in the United States and, and not to say we don't have our crazies. We do. And there's been situations of, you know, uh, targeting at lodges and and particular members. But for the mass majority here in the United States, we take it for granted in such a large way that we can freely advertise by wearing a hat to work, wearing a ring, um, all of, you know, putting it on Facebook, walking into our lodge without a care of the day, just walking inside. Whereas other people, that would not be the case. And that would be one of the most dangerous things you could do. And it makes me also think about because we take that so for granted, I've noticed recently so many brothers are traveling more often and farther away. And it, it comes to mind at times that maybe that is something we need to think about as much as we can be free with that uh, at home, thankfully, that when we travel, maybe that is something we need to be more cautious about and maybe change your profile picture or something like that, because information about you is so readily uh, searched anywhere in the world. And if that is a factor somewhere you go, uh, that could put you in harm's way very, very quickly and easily. But 
circling back to, you know, the privacy issue and potential lawsuits opening up, I mean, something like that could really cripple a lodge today. And I don't think that's on anybody's radar, except thankfully guys like you. Well, and that's, you know, again, this is something that we really care about. And, and, and just to, to go back one step, you were talking about what can I do really to secure myself as a, as a person? Yes. And and that's part and parcel of, of the topic of the evening, right? Which started out with how do I identify myself? It's something that I know, something that I am, something that I have. And we've, again, I keep using the phrase, the, the arc of history and kind of how we've gone. You know, one of the things that we've released recently, which you're well familiar with, we call the signet, right? It's a, it's a, you know, I've, I've got one. It's what I've been wearing. It's a, a little ceramic ring uh, and it's got an NFC chip in it, right? It's, it's, it's black. It's discreet. It doesn't have any markings on it unless you want to put some on it. Um, and all you need to do to show your membership status is tap this to an NFC enabled phone, just like a you know Android Pay or Apple Pay, and and the reason that I bring it up is because look, this, you know it's it's no requirement. This is this is a lot of it for the fun of it, right? Um, but it meets all the blocks that you're talking about, right? If you look at this, you can't tell them a Mason. If you've if you've turned off your profile and you scan it, you can't tell them a Mason. Right. There's no actual data on this. There's just a pointer. Right. And, and if we think about, well, how can we actually be secure? Right. Again, when, when I come back to how is Amity helping push forward the the state of, of Freemasonry and interacting with each other? You know, this is this is a perfect example because we really can use it in all of those secure ways to still communicate what we need to with the people who should have it and not with the people who should. And can we not skip over how subtly elegant they are as well? I love these damn rings. They're amazing. Michael, do you got one on you this evening? I do in my bag. Over oh, here. man. <laughs> Actually, I have it right here. I have it right here. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'm wearing mine as well that I picked up. Uh, did I get this at Masonicon or when I saw? Yes, I got this at Masonicon. I'm fairly certain. That's right. Right. Love this thing. I will say it's a thicker ring than I'm used to wearing. It is fantastic quality. Uh, but I had the trouble the first couple of days because it was thicker and I wasn't used to wearing it. Hey, there we go. Everyone hold up your ring. We'll make that. We'll make that the cover. Right there. There it is. So first couple of days I was wearing this, I caught a couple of these monsters that wanted to give me the firmest handshakes ever. And oh my <laughs> God, did I have the worst bruising on the other two fingers, but I it's finally, I'm used to it now, but I love this thing. It, it is fantastic. And yeah, you know, if I don't want somebody to know I'm a member and I'm not wearing a hat, or, like that's not going to glare and give it away. The only comment I've had on this ring is how elegant it looks. I've had so many people. Is that your wedding ring? It's so nice. And I'm like, no, actually, this is my wedding ring, but it's it's a you damn would be nice surprised ring. how many people have come up to us to either consider buying a ring, buying a ring, or buy actually buy one and go, you know what? I'm about to get married, and uh, this this might be great. And we always look back and go, you you should you should talk Double to your check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> check go make this decision by yourself. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, it, it's it's fantastic. It's uh it's wonderful quality. I love it. It's great but, stuff. You know, Alex, I'm going to do something that maybe maybe I shouldn't. Uh, I'm probably going to get a lot of notifications out of this, but but this is also part and parcel of how we can even travel digitally, right? Sure. I, I, I listened to a TED talk a couple of years ago, and and it it uh, it called what we're doing right now the concept of a social wormhole. I mean, think about okay. it. I'm in DC. You're in Kansas. Michael's in Virginia, and all of a sudden we are bending space and time to be on the same screen with each other, right? So true. And whether it's, you know, virtual lodges, um, you know, a number of different ways that we can meet, you know, it can be as simple as saying, hey, look, this is this is my dues card, right? And anybody who scans this is going to get my ugly mug. Um, but that's the same sort of technology that ties together with the ring to say, look, Freemasonry is about what we do between the opening wrap and the closing wrap. All the other stuff that we're talking about is how we can get into that room. How can we make this easier? Right. Let's take all these processes that people have spent so much time over the years on and put them in a computer because, you know, what, computers are smarter than us with this stuff. But again, from our perspective, when you when you think about um, how we're making this easier and how we're being the grease between the wheels with all these systems, you know, that's really our mission is to say, right, let's put this stuff in a box. 
so that we can focus more on the stuff that we care about, like what you see behind me, right? And it doesn't mean we don't, you know, that we throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? For instance, one of the things that Jeremy and I, you know, firmly agree is people should still be signing in in the book and lodge, you know, because the truth is when, when we're gone, you know, our great grandkids aren't going to be logging into our email, you know, to see the correspondence that we had with, with, with other people. And so, you know, physical things do matter, you know, physical books matter. Uh, they matter for our history. We had a, a, a huge debate in our lodge about our bulletin. And, you know, I, I tend to take some of the memorable bulletins and I put them in books and, who knows if one day my, you know, uh, a great grandkid will find that and say, wow, I had no idea my great grandfather was a Mason. Again, they're not going to look in our, our email inbox, you know, a hundred years from now, or maybe they will then. I don't know, but you right. know, likely right now they're not. So we care about that too. You know, masonry has taught us to keep the things that are traditional that we have to keep within our craft. Like Jeremy said, when the gavel wraps, that's it. Nothing else is in there. I don't pull out a phone in my lodge and anybody who would do that, you know, it, it would not be good Masonic etiquette in my lodge to do that. Um, and that matters, you know, yeah. here, here's a guy who, who loves technology, but when it comes down to doing Masonic work, you know, we're, we're all about just making it more efficient. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I love the part that you brought up about still signing the book, because, you know, when you think about that, historically, those two aspects were kept separate. You have the aspect of checking the person, making sure they're suited to be there, making sure they're uh, properly tiled to enter the lodge. But you also had that aspect of, well, more modernly signing into the book or having it at the uh, secretary's you know, minutes and having that registered. Well, that Tyler's book and the secretary's minutes aren't a security aspect in most cases. It's historical record. And when you go back, you see the importance the Grand Lodges were pushing out about keeping our history and updating our history and focusing on it, uh, because there is importance in that history and that legacy that comes from it. So, yeah, definitely, most definitely, still sign the book and sign it legibly. God, I hate some of those signatures you see. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, look, that's where some of our first tools came from, because I was yes. a secretary and I, I hated that. I mean especially with, again, as I, I said earlier, all the visitors that we get in DC, you know, are you a left worshipful, a, a wrong worshipful? A, like, I, I can't, I can't tell, <laughs> right? And forget about what, what your name is, how your name is spelled. Like, are, you know, you're the district, this, that, or whatever, you're very worshipful, whatever, you know, it's insane. Uh, and, and, yeah. and coming up with a system where you could literally just check in with your phone, no longer have to spell anything, right? right. It's great, push a button and I get a roster, I'm in. <laughs> oh, 100%. I, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, uh, overlook. I know we're we're getting close to the the, the time here, uh, and and I would love to talk all night, but I, I don't want to overlook the the regularity part of it too. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I think I think two things might be interesting um, based on the conversation we've had so far. One is it's important to remember that a lot of jurisdictions define recognition and regularity a little bit differently, um, but in general. I think it's worth noting that recognition is 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 largely political. Do do I have a relationship with you or not? Right? Are we dating? You know. Whereas regularity is much more objective. Right? Do you require a belief in deity? Do you require the volume of sacred law to be open to your, during your meetings? Do you use the hieramic legend? Right? Those those are facts. You can't really get around them. And, and to those folks that are, that are listening and watching, I think I'd love to start a conversation about how Grand Lodges can recognize more other Grand Lodges. And there are certainly Grand Lodges out there that probably shouldn't be recognized, but out of the 310 Grand Lodges that are in Amity, the average Grand Lodge only recognizes about 180, right? So barely 60%. And, and I would offer that even if you say maybe 80 is the limit, right? 80%. That's 60 Grand Lodges that your members could visit and that could visit your Grand Lodge that you don't have a relationship with. Right. And how do we start to solve that problem? Because when Masons want to travel, we should help them travel everywhere and get this experience of what happens in other Grand Lodges and other jurisdictions. 
because that's really such a growth opportunity for anyone. Yeah, no, that's that's a fantastic point. Fantastic point. You know, the other thing that has really blown me away um, as a history nerd um, from, I guess, all the technology being injected into masonry, but especially some of the stuff that, you know, Jeremy's been able to share with me in person uh, is the ability to harness data. Like we're able to pull statistics and see data like never before. Whereas, you know, before you may have to pull 20 books and sit there and, you know, calculate. Now it's like, boom, bam, there's a, there's a graph right there for you and be able to really get real time data and statistics and know so much about your lodge, your jurisdiction and masonry in general, uh, is a game changer when it comes to, you know, things like historical research, because that has always been so hard to even be able to harness all the different data points you need. Um, but to be able to have that at your fingertips and be able to harness statistics like that in a moment's notice um, is a capability I don't think we're ready for, but <laughs> but so hugely powerful. You, you know, I would offer even today, I don't think that most Grand Lodge leaders, and, and I'm certainly not pointing at anybody in particular, but I, I don't, I think if you asked any leader of a Grand Lodge, what Grand Lodge visits yours the most? They would probably have a an educated guess at best, right? Yeah, but really don't know, right? And the the idea, you know, again, this is kind of part and parcel of where Amity started. Is hey, you can check into another lodge, right? All of a sudden, we're able to say, well, did, did you know that most of your visitors come from not the Grand Lodge next door, but some right. other one, right? And that may be for any number of reasons, but it's you're absolutely right. The statistics are uh, are amazing, really interesting. 100%. You know, I, I'm sitting here thinking about how we're, we're talking about, you know, the security issue, the regularity issue, guys showing up to lodges with deuce cards that, you know, are maybe fabricated. Maybe they were suspended six months ago for some ungodly crime. Who knows? You know, to be able to harness that data, how many times do you have guys that come to your lodge with uh, irregular cards or, you know, in bad standings? With a system like this, you're able to harness that. Um, how often are your guys traveling? How far? Like, that's that's amazing stuff to be able to know and to be able to keep track of. And one day, nerds like me are going to love it. <laughs> well, and, you know, I, I would offer too. This is a bit of a culture change, and I, I, you know, oh yeah, change doesn't necessarily mean it's new. I think it may be even a reversion, right? But the idea of I'm going to walk into lodge and check in is yeah. multifold. One, I'm registering my attendance. Yes. Right. Two, I'm adding myself to the roster. Three, I'm checking if I'm still in good standing because with all due respect, you may know me and not know that I didn't pay my dues last week. Like I should have. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. And, and, and we, it, it's, it's normal for us to be like, ah, I know him. I'll vouch for him, whatever. Um, you know, but I, I think, Freemasonry at its core, in part, I don't want to overstate it, is, you know, trust but verify, right. right? We are supposed to be honest with each other and honesty and transparency go hand in hand because if I have nothing to hide, well, then what's wrong with me proving that I'm still a member? It's a fantastic point. And, and all of those actions as we come in and check in do exactly what you say, which is allow folks to say, wow, this is actually how Freemasonry is happening. And we can do a better job managing the craft because now we know how it's working. Definitely. Definitely. Are the, are the best lodges in your jurisdictions the one that have the longest meetings or the shortest meetings? Do we know? <laughs> right? I mean, unless the secretaries, for example, with with with, with Amity, if, if unless the secretary is going in and, and, and adding the closing time, you know, there's you would have to go physically read all the minutes. Right. But if you're able to do that and then everybody starts doing that, you can now start collecting the data, right? Uh, and as long as it's not used for, you know, uh, mercenary motives, right? I mean, this is stuff that helps the Grand Lodge. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes life easier and it offers more. It, it, to a large degree, it's like, why not? And to that aspect, I've noticed within the Amity app, it's not just 
he's current as of this week or as of this day. I believe it's to the second. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. I mean, you talk about real time. It's not just like, yeah, he's he's current. Grand Secretary said so uh, yesterday. But Grand Secretary could have been uh, putting something in 20 minutes before you showed up to lodge. And to the second, I mean, you don't get any more real time than that. That that's amazing to be able to harness those capabilities into securing our craft today. Yeah. So kudos the, to you guys. The, the interesting thing is to, to the whole discussion we've been having, right? You no longer have to go through the Grand Lodge. You got to check with them. And it right. allows us to do that so much easier now, which right. is what we get excited about. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to allow you guys some final thoughts and stuff, but we are at the top of the hour. We're doing this episode a little bit early, so we're not at the nine o'clock hour, but just to keep in tradition, uh, we usually do a toast. So I'm going to see if uh, one of you guys will offer up a toast for us this evening. How you feeling, Michael? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you do it, Toastmaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna abide in libation, but <laughs> I'm, I'm opening a beer. How about that? Okay, uh, fantastic. You know what? I'll, I'll I'll offer my my personal favorite, which uh, is a poem whose author I have unfortunately forgotten. Uh, I learned this about twenty five years ago. Uh, it goes: No one may tell me where my soul might be. I searched for God, but He eluded me. I sought my brothers and found all three. Cheers. 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 That was beautiful, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well done. Yeah, I haven't heard that one before. That's great. When you know somebody since they're three, and then and then you and then you get something like that. That's that's pretty nice, you know. You've been holding out, Jeremy. You've been holding out. I <laughs> uh, gotta surprise him every now and then. Every, every now and then. <laughs> so this has been an amazing discussion, and it's one of those that we could easily stay on here another five hours and keep going because there's so much to unpack and to just really meditate and think about with this such a huge topic that's going to continue to expand and grow all the time and continue to be more and more important and more and more valuable and useful as we go on. So I want to give you guys an option to go around and have some final thoughts, anything that we may have missed or any importance uh, that you want to throw in there and be sure to throw in some plugs about how they can find out more about what Amity's doing and get started in utilizing this themselves. You know, I would mention something just very simple. And you talk, we talked about, you know, great men. And we often, in, in that moment, men typically don't think they're doing great things. You know, we, yeah. we look at Truman, we look at Washington, we look at all these guys. And, you know, it wasn't until later on, and I started reading Masonic books about Truman and understanding he traveled all over the state and volunteered and helped every lodge every night. And there's so many people in his success that you don't read about every day. And the same is for us and the same is for you. And what I'd say is 2016 was a good year. Here, here, brother Jeremy, how about you? You know, uh, first off, it's, it's, as I said at the beginning, it's, it's great to be here. We, we really appreciate uh, what you're doing, Alex. I mean, this is, this is wonderful. Um, I know we've been talking about being on the show for a while and I'm, I'm thrilled it finally happened. Stoked um, to have you guys. Totally. I, I would, I would love to do three more shows. We could, we could go forever. Um, we, we could make that happen. Well, Hey, anytime you're free, you let us know. I, I, think I, I know a guy. Stuff. I know a guy. <laughs> my old, my old secretary used to say, pop a quarter in me. I'll go all day. Um, I, I resemble that remark. Uh, at, at any rate, the, the, I think the, the thing that I want to leave folks with is technology is going forward, right? We all know that. And, and, uh, what we are passionate about, Michael and I, and, and Alex, you know, in what you do as well, but from an Amity perspective, what we're passionate about is doing our best to make sure that our craft is secured in the best way possible so that we can have a great experience as Masons uh, and, and know that we don't have to rely on, you know, tools like Facebook that might sell all of our data, right? Um, I would encourage everybody to, to check out the app if you haven't already. You can download it at amity.copiri.com or just search for Amity in the Play Store and, or in the App Store. Um, we would love to see you in the app. And certainly if you have any questions, uh, support at copiri.com is, uh, is our support email. And, and uh, I think 
Michael, the, the last stat we had was about 18 hours more or less uh, for us to get back to you. So, you know, we, we even try and do that quickly uh, and, and make sure that all your, your concerns get taken care of. Um, we're proud to serve Masons around the world. We really are. This is uh, it's a labor of love. Uh, it's it's a privilege. And uh, it's been great getting to know uh, Masons all over and, and help incorporate that into into what we do and how we serve each one of you. So thank you. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. Fantastic. And definitely, I, I do want to talk to you guys and get you back on for another episode because I think we could uh, we could definitely have some really, really great conversations uh, to continue here. Before we close out for this evening, I just want to thank everybody so much that are uh, t- uh, tuning in live. We got guys over on the Facebook side, over on the YouTube side, and uh, it means the world to have you guys here live. Also appreciate everyone that watches the recordings afterwards and tunes into the uh, podcast audio syndicated version as well. But I'm seeing some shout outs here from various lodges, and I want to give those guys credit hey, credit's due. Worship Brother Christian. He was the master of my lodge in uh, in Maryland. Yeah. Yeah, nice. we've got Brother Christian as, out here saying shout out from Highland Lodge. If he had to say where he was from, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, I can't share the Facebook side because uh, since we share this into the event, they don't want to act right together. So Facebook's separate here. Uh, but we've got Brother Eric joining us from the Philippines. Hey, Brother Eric. We've got, let's see here, Brother James from uh, Canton, Ohio, Augusta Lodge 504, Dwayne Marshall uh, from Active Lodge here in Kansas, Brother Sean Finneywald, so good to see you, my brother, uh, and Brother Lou Mar- Ramirez saying, very interesting topic this evening, which that it was, and I think we can definitely delve into this mo- so much more. Uh, brothers, be sure to send me those links so we will get them into the show notes so you guys can get a hold of Amity and learn how to start participating in this amazing uh, new aspect of masonry that is harnessing history and bringing masonry into the future at the same time. Uh, if you don't have one of these, definitely get one. This is the most amazing purchase I've made in a long time. I love it. And not to talk crap on everyone else, but as masons, we buy a lot of stuff and it's usually very, very cheap, very, very janky with just a square and compass on it. This is actually quality like really, really quality. This thing is durable. It's beautiful. And I love it. So I'm proud to wear it every day. And guys, just stoked to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking uh, time out of your busy lives and joining us means the world to me. Thank you, Alex. Pleasure, my brother. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank all of you. And until next time, keep illuminating our past and we'll see you in a couple of weeks right back here on Historical Light. Have a great evening. 